0: Alright, if you take your Bibles together with me, we're going to be looking again this morning in the book of Philippians and chapter number 3, in Philippians chapter 3, and as most all of you are aware for some time now, I have been bringing messages on the little phrase one thing, and most of them I've uh, preached from before from this pulpit. Of course, that could have been a long time ago because I've been preaching from this pulpit for a long time—twenty-three years—and so. Uh, but the thought come to me about putting them all together and learning some awesome lessons from the Word of God. And I have done one on where Jesus told the rich young ruler, One thing thou lackest, teaching him and us you cannot serve God and mammon. That's what the Bible says. Also, we've looked at one thing I desire in in the Psalms, a singular focus on uh, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord and behold his beauty. What an awesome thought. And then one thing... Needful, where Jesus told Martha that Mary was sitting at his feet learning from him one thing that's needful. And then, one thing I know. Once I was blind, but now I can see. And one thing I know. Boy, what an awesome thought. And so today, for the second time, we come to this statement the Apostle Paul made. One thing I do One thing I do. So from the third chapter of the book of Philippians, and may the Lord add his blessing to his word according to his precious will. I'll start with verse number three where Paul says, We are the circumcision that worship God in spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. That's us if we believe the truth. If we really do. And then he goes on to say uh, that he has reasons to be boastful. uh, As far as the works of the flesh are concerned. And he names them in verse number 5. Circumcised on the eighth day of the stock of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin. A Hebrew of Hebrew is touching the law of Pharisee. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church. Touching righteousness which is of the law. Blameless. And so he gives his things he could be he could boast in or be thankful for. But then he goes on in verse 8, and he says this, Yea, doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. He put them aside. He suffered the loss. And do count them but dung that I may win Christ. And then he goes through a list of things that he desires. Verse 9, to be found in him, not having my own righteousness which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, or the faith of which Christ is the author and finisher by the way, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him, And the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable unto his death. And then he says, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, or all that will follow. And by the way, on Wednesday night, we started a part of our study from a question that arose. What will our resurrected body be? be like and how will that come about? Boy, what an awesome question. And so we started a study and most are surprised at the things that we learn about what uh, our resurrected body will be like. And so if you're interested in that, we invite you to come and take part in that. Verse 12, not as though I had already attained, either were perfect, but follow after that I may apprehend that for which I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. And then here's the verse, verse 13. Brethren, I count not myself as apprehended, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth to those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God In Christ Jesus. The high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And I'm sharing with you from this text. The ultimate achievement in life. I believe that what Paul said here. May very well be a very rare thing. Among confessing Christians. And that is to achieve the very purpose for which I have been called and saved. I think that most people, and I, I'll bring this out as we go along, because I think it's so important. The thought that we have, and I know because there was a time in my life, and I want to tell you this morning, I, I make it a point not to preach something that I, that I don't uh, am persuaded. I'm not persuaded of and convinced of and experience in my own life. And that is the reason why I think it's rare is because most people think well I want to be saved I want to go to heaven when I die or Jesus comes back and I don't want to go to hell so if I in my mind have accomplished that then I'm satisfied. Well I want to tell you this morning if we follow Paul's reasoning and thinking and writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, then I want you to know that this will introduce something to us that maybe we haven't thought about, really thought about before. And that, I'm going to say it this way, and I I will preach more about this, is accomplishing in my life the very reason for which I'm saved. Ultimately, ultimately accomplishing that in my life and like I said most don't think about that and I'm persuaded of it but I would hope that maybe these messages from this text uh, would make us think now last Sunday morning here's what I did Uh, I took this statement and we, we, you might remember I shared with you, we might think that there's two things here. Not one, but two things that are here in the text. Because Paul said, forgetting those things which are past, I press toward the mark, the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You might say, well, there's two things involved in that. No, actually, it's just one thing. It's one thing. Uh, you know, like if you say, I'm saved then you have to think, from what I'm saved. So, as you see, uh, uh, regeneration is a change that comes about. It is, repentance is a turning around and taking a new direction in life. And so, two things there make up one, actually. And what I shared with you last Sunday morning was something I'm extremely convinced about related to this passage of Scripture. And and, here, and here's what it is. Uh, forgetting those things, I, I believe that there's a special meaning of that statement. And I want to, and I think I probably illustrated it last Sunday morning. Because here's what I did. The whole message was dedicated to one thought, and that is that the Bible over and over and over reminds God's people not to forget. As a matter of fact, we're we're called on to remember, remember, and not to forget. And I shared with you all of those things that God instituted over the many years among His people as memorials. I shared with you seven of them that I found in the Bible. And then I shared with you, and this came from the book of Deuteronomy primarily, that we better be careful... And there's a warning that is involved in that. Careful that we do not forget. That we do not forget. And the primary chapter related to that is the 8th chapter of Deuteronomy where God says, this is all that I did through your wandering in the wilderness that you might know and that you might remember. And then He tells them, you be really careful when you go into the land that I've promised and everything is working good. And you're being blessed that you don't forget. That you don't forget. Now I thank God for not forgetting a lot of things. I really do. Where I come from. You know people tend to want to rise above their raisins or whatever. And uh, I'm thankful. uh, You know I I didn't know I was having a hard time. uh, At the time it was going on or whatever. I was young uh, and and dumb, and now I'm old and dumb, so <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm thankful for uh, the things that I experienced when I was being raised raised up, and I, I share them every once in a while with you, but I am thankful for them, because what it has done is made me even more thankful for the little seemingly insignificant things in our life. And I am very much so. I am so thankful. And uh, every once in a while I have to just break out in prayer to my God and say, God, thank you for being so good to me. Thank you for the way that you've blessed me. I was thinking ahead of uh, Father's Day, which is coming up. And it was interesting, I thought... I need to find a text that's like the Mother's Day one where uh, who can find a virtuous woman? Her price is far above rubies. And I thought, surely somewhere in the Bible there might be something that says about the same thing for the men. Huh. But it's not there. It's not meaning that they're not virtuous or can't be virtuous. But, it, but anyway, I settled on the text that said uh, uh, that, that a good man's steps are ordered by the Lord. And isn't that a wonderful thought? To To think, to be able to go along in life and look back. You know, a lot of things we don't understand and know apart from looking back. To be able to look back and say... Man, Lord, you have sure been good to me. You have blessed me in this way and blessed me in that way. And, uh, count your blessings, name them o'er and o'er. And so I shared with you, and this is a serious thought. There are some things that God says, do not forget, do not forget. And to where to rehearse them over and over, uh, in our mind. So what does this mean when Paul says this in verse 13, this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. Well, we all know that the Bible warns us about forgetting the blessings of the Lord. We know that. We understand that clearly. Also, let me tell you what else you know. And if you don't know it, I'm fixing to share it with you. We can never, ever forget. We really can't. Uh you know, we might not be able to remember. (laughs) But we can't forget. Everything that we've ever heard or read, uh, all the sermons you've listened to, somewhere in your mind, and hopefully in your heart and soul, they're there. And the Holy Spirit can bring these wonderful thoughts back to our mind or whatever. But you can't forget. You just can't forget. It's there. Now, you may be like myself... Have trouble with the recall part, you know, and you know that I do, and you laugh at me all the all the time because I can't remember your name. Uh, But there's too many names up there. Is the problem too many names? I've just known too many names, and it's really, really hard. Of course, don't have a thing to do. The fact that I've gotten older. Uh, not it, not me. Now it may be somebody else, but not, but not me. But you can't never really forget anything. So that makes us stop to think: What does this mean then in our text? Based on those two things, based on the warnings in the Bible about remembering and the memorials that God has set forth for that very purpose, and then the fact that we really can't forget anyway. So what does it mean? Well, let me share my thoughts related to that. I believe that it means all but those things I shared with you last Sunday morning. Literally everything else, if you categorized them. Verse 8 might help us as we think about that. Paul said this, Yea, doubtless, I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. What he's saying here is that, Everything in my life, and I've really thought a whole lot about that, that everything in my life that I could count as loss for Christ, it it should be something that doesn't have any more impact on me at all. That I be able to put it aside, that I be able to just forget about it. Forget about it. You know, they say that when your mind goes, you can just forget it. <laughs> And that's what you do a lot, by the way. But anyway, uh, anything that you count as loss for Christ. And I, I've thought a whole lot about this myself. And there's things in my life, as I know is true for all of us that are here, or all who may be listening this morning. There are things that uh, uh, did, did not honor Him and glorify Him and provoke, prov- uh, provoke worship of Him and all these things that we were involved in and everything. And I've thought a whole lot about that. I've spent a lot of time on things that I thought did not promote the kingdom of my Lord and Savior, and did not edify His church along the way, but it was good and right. Uh, All the many, many hours and years that I work to support my family, and those kind of things are good and everything. And, and you know, they, they they do glorify God because the Bible says uh, that if a man won't work, neither let him eat. Now they are people who can't and we ought to feed them. You know what I'm saying? We ought to. We're given the wonderful privilege of doing that. But we have a government that is dead set on giving everything away and, uh, uh, and causing a... Uh, class of people dependent on government. I'm going to tell you something, folks. We should not be dependent. We should be uh, people who are uh, honorable enough to uh, work our way and help others and, and everything along the way. But anyway, that's what Paul is saying about that. So it is a matter of just setting it aside And considering it insignificant and not have any impact on our lives as far as the future is concerned. So what kind of things are they? And I ended the message last Sunday morning by sharing this point. Looking at what Paul said. Just looking at what he said. uh, I think we ought, when I say forget, I mean to put it aside. Lay it aside. We ought to forget failures in life. Now we all have them. If we've been around long enough, there may be some of our very young people that are here that have never experienced any kind of failure in life. Paul did. Paul, And here's what it was. He was involved in a religion that was works-based. Now you know how I feel about that. I feel that Man it just has a tendency to want to take glory and credit for anything that is good in our life. That we've earned it. I'm going to tell you something this morning. Salvation is not earned. Salvation is the gift of God. And not of works lest any man should boast. That's what the Bible says. There are people all across our land, this very moment, who are trusting in their performance in life to get them to heaven, rather than trusting in the finished work of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now that's a fact. It was true in Paul's experience. He was a part of a religion that was based on works. And he brings that out very abundantly when he says... Uh, that he was verse five circumcised on the eighth day of the stock of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin the Hebrew of Hebrews as touching the law of Pharisee concerning zeal persecuting the church touching righteousness which is by the law blameless he could name those things every once in a while in talking to people I'll say I'll ask them maybe a simple question like are you saved all oh, they might say well yes well what, what was the reason why you're saved? What's the reason why you're saved? And they'll come off because of something and well I'm, I know I'm saved because I'm baptized. Baptism doesn't save you. We are baptized because we are saved. We do things because we are saved not in order to get saved. You see what I'm saying? And so this Paul was involved in that and he was involved in it in a really deep kind of way. And he came to the point in his life where he understood this is not accomplishing anything for me and I'm counting every bit of it as loss for Christ. I count it all as loss for Christ. I know that I've known several people in life who were a part of a works-based religion who come to grips with the truth, made the change glorified and praised God for that. Uh, and um, I remember one, and she may be listening to the program this morning. Uh, she does, is Miss B. King. She's not with us in person anymore, but she listens to our broadcast. And I remember the testimony that she shared with me of her journey along in life and how she come to realize that works-based religion was not right, not according to the Bible. And she had awesome testimony. And some of of our men might remember, I took people uh, several times visiting with her and and to ask her if she would share that testimony uh, with them. And she did. She shared that testimony. And she rejoices in that fact. And she understands very clearly what that means. And this was what Paul was talking about. He, he had experienced total failure in his religious experience. He had listened to false teaching and become a very much a part of that. Now I'm just going to name two or three things because I think there are some things that will help us along the way. The second thing I want to mention is sin that is forgiven. Sin that is forgiven. Now if you know the Lord this morning as your personal Savior, no matter how uh, long you've known Him, then there's one thing that you know. That when you come to trust Christ as your personal Savior, that what He did for you was that He gave you the assurance that uh, your sins were forgiven. Past, present, and future, the penalty of those sins were removed. He took them on Himself when He was crucified, when He died for you and died for me. That those sins are put away. And the Bible talks about them being put away as far as the east is from the west and buried in the sea of forgetfulness and all those wonderful things related to that. So, what does that mean? I'm like probably most of you. There have been times in my life when there was sin that I needed forgiveness for. There was times in my life I know you might think I'm a perfect sinless person, but I want to inform you this morning that there have been things that God has been gracious to forgive me. Forgive me and put it aside. Now why is that important? If I've been forgiven, then it's where? It is in the past and it's gone. And it's not anything that I need to keep bringing up. You see, that's what a lot of times people would do. Uh, when it comes to their sinfulness of the past, they just have a hard time. And it is difficult to believe that the Lord would put this sin away. That He could put it away. Not All my sin, Brother Aaron, not in part, but the whole was nailed to the cross. And I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh my soul. Now why is that important? It's important because uh, if I keep bringing it up, I keep experiencing guilt for it. Now friend, let me tell you something. If God has saved you, forgiven your sin, you should not experience the guilt for that anymore. You know, I've had people say things to me about uh, people and I say, now listen, this is what I believe. And I'll tell every one of you again this morning, whatever you've done in the past, if God has forgiven you, then that's not to be brought up by, you, by me or anybody else or yourself. And sometimes it will happen in our experience in life. And you know what you're supposed to do? Just forget it. Just put it aside. There are some people who think they can criticize uh, others for what they've done in the past. And I, I knew a lady that done this all the time. I, I really felt sorry for her. Because she was constantly putting some somebody else down. Every once in a while you'll find a person that in order to elevate themselves, they have to tear somebody else down. And and uh, they become jealous of people or whatever. This lady was that way. She was jealous of people. And she would keep reminding anybody listening to her that this person uh, did this in the past or that in the past. And you see... My friend, if your sins are forgiven. And Paul, let me tell you something this morning. I doubt seriously if any of us that are here, or anybody that might be listening to this message, ever sinned any worse than Paul, or Saul, rather, Saul of Tarsus, when he persecuted the church. And and you know he talked about talked about that in the New Testament. What an awful thing that he had done. And yet, you know what he knew? He knew that those sins were forgiven and he had been restored. Isn't it a wonderful thing to be forgiven and restored? Amen? It's a wonderful thing and a wonderful thought. So that's one of those things that we can forget and put in the past. Now, I'm going to share with you another thing. And I've, I've had some experience over the years, you know, with people who, you know, uh, you might imagine that. People uh, have talked to their preacher, their pastor, and and over the years, many years, that's happened so many times. And I've had people to say, say to me, brother Thomas, there's something I just need to get off my chest. Not not that they uh, uh, repent of their sins to the pastor so he he'll forgive them, like like some believe the priest can do, you know what I'm saying? In a confessional or anything like that. But sometimes uh, it does us good to admit that we've been wrong, that we've done something wrong. And, And people have shared with me, I just want to have the assurance that the Lord has forgiven me and restored me. And there's nothing wrong with that. So anytime you want to come... And talk to me and bring up all your dirty laundry. You go ahead and come. It won't make me uh, feel bad towards you because I know God's forgiven you. Amen? And uh, it doesn't. As a matter of fact, it may make me respect you a little more because you rejoice in what the Lord has done for you. So, one of those things is uh, those things that are past that we may have a hard time... that, That was something that was enjoyed uh, may have been a pleasureful thing in our life. And I think of one person uh, in, in, in my mind, and this happens a lot. You know, people who get involved in drugs or alcohol or those kind of things and come to the place in life where they put that aside, they lay it aside, And God forgives them for that. Now let me tell you something about drugs and alcohol. Young people, I want you to listen to this. Please don't ever even, don't even think about trying it. There's oftentimes a lot of pressure on our young people to try drugs and out of curiosity or whatever. Because I've learned something. I learned this from experience and from science I guess. Is that, There are certain things that change the brain. And people who have been on drugs can never, ever be the same again. Never. And I've known some. I've really known some to go through some of the awfulest struggles in life because because of that. And I, I remember one person, and you may remember this person too, Uh, because he may have shared with you some of the things he shared with me. And he was early on in life an alcoholic. And uh, he got right with God. And he gave that up. But you know there's a saying, once an alcoholic always an alcoholic. And he would share with me the struggles that he had. Because that was a pleasureful thing that he experienced. Uh, he, he wanted to just go buy him a bottle of whatever and chug-a-lug, you know, just chug-a-lug. And uh, it, it was a battle, you see. And so there may be some things in our past that we might, we might want to go back and we might want to enjoy them. There's a special passage of scripture that I've shared with you many times. It's in the ninth chapter of the book of Luke's, Luke. And it, it talks about this. And Jesus uh, said this in the ninth chapter in verse 62. And Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now, here's the point that I'm making this morning. Forgetting those things which are past, setting them aside or whatever, it might actually be things that was the pleasure of sin for a season in our experience. And so, we may long for that which is not in the will of God. That's the kind of thing that needs to be put aside. Now, I want to tell you what is unique about this passage of Scripture That word looking back. The Greek word means this. A constant fixation with longing. A constant fixation with longing. Now folks, there there are times when people might have difficulty giving up something. Because there's this longing. It was something that was good at the time. Or maybe profitable at the time or maybe pleasureful at the time when we, we might have been involved in it and the fact that we can't ever really forget anything it's there and what we need to do is we need to put that aside we need to put it aside you say but preacher it might be hard well a lot of things the Bible calls on us to do are difficult right a lot of them but you know what I'm going to tell you what you do about that you fall on your knees or your face before God and say, Lord, I know that I need to put it away. I need to forget about it. I need to not let it have any influence on my life. And I need help. I need help that only comes from Thee, as the song says. I need help that only comes from Thee. And so that's what grace is about. Grace is such a wonderful thing. You might remember... Recently, I was sharing with you a series of messages from Titus chapter number two. The grace of God appeared to all men, teaching us. Teaching us. It's more than just divine favor, and it is a power that works in the life of the individual. And so, uh, if the Bible says which it says, it giveth more grace. Well, I want to tell you something. That's one thing you can pray for God, give me more grace. God help me. I know this is right, and I want you to help me to do that. And so, that's something that is there. Now, let me give you another thing right quickly. It might involve ambitions of the flesh in life. Now, people can have ambitions in life. And you know, there's not anything wrong with that. I, you know, I encourage young people sometime, you know, to find out what you want to do in life. And get an education and do the best that you can with it and everything that you do with this in mind, Lord, use this in my life for your glory and honor some way as I go through life. In other words, don't forget about God's will for your life. Young person, listen. Don't forget God's purpose for your life, but say, Lord, whatever I do in life that is honorable and good, help me to do it and you get glory from it as, as I go along the way. And so that's the way we ought to treat that. But sometimes there can be ambitions of the flesh. And it's not anything that the Lord's going to be impressed with one day. I have a little saying I've shared with you many times. One day I'm going to stand before the Lord. And there's some things that I, I think about. Uh, I, I, in my younger years, I liked cars I still like them, by the way. I still love cars. And uh, th- there are things that I like. Uh, and And I've shared this with, I remember Brother Cecil, we had a little conversation one time, I was sharing some of them I had. He was sharing some of them he had. And I tell you what, if I'd had a big building somewhere and could have put them away, I'd be a wealthy man today. Man, I had, I had some awesome vehicles and didn't realize at the time how awesome that they'd be one day. I mean, I courted Sue in a 55 Chevy, two-door hardtop. That means when you roll the front glass down, the back glass down, there's no post in there. And uh, black and white 55 Chevy. I had a 56 Chevy. I had Chevelles. I had uh, I had a '67 Chevy 2 Nova. If whether you know what that is or not. Little narrow tail lights. It was perfect condition. 327, 375 horse, and it had a paraglide transmission. That means only two speeds. You could get up to about 30 mile an and push a pedal down. You better have a whole lot of road because you'd lose that thing if you didn't. Man, uh, you know I've had I've had some of those things in life. Now I I, I gave all that. Gave all that up, and I mean, as far as I still like my car, you know, but anyway, ambitions in life and people will set goals in life. And here's what I've said about this I've told you that one day I'll I'll appear before my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, he's not going to be impressed about that 66 Chevelle that we had, he's not, it's not going to impress him. (laughs) It's you know, there's going to be things that's not. I might as well count that as loss for Christ because He's not impressed with it or whatever. And it doesn't mean that some of these hobbies we have and things we're involved in are bad in themselves. But this matter of ambitions of the flesh. Let me share with you a passage of Scripture that I think is awesome related to that. It's in the book of Luke. And it's in the fourth chapter. And what it's talking about, it's talking about the sower went forth to seed. sow, sow seeds. You know it, we call it the parable of the sower, it's actually a parable of the fruit. Isn't what it is what its Parable of the fruit. And so one of those things that Jesus mentions in that fourth chapter, in verse 18 and 19, listen to this. Listen. And though and these are they which are sown among the thorns. Now he's going to tell what that means sown among the thorns, such as hear the word, listen to this, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things, enter in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. Have you ever really thought about that? Have you ever really considered that? That sometimes the seed is sown among the thorns and they choke the productiveness of that person completely out. And you know what that is. It's the, it's the riches, Jesus said, and cares of this life. I've known a few people in life who have confessed this to me that they set out in life and they made money and the more they invested in their whatever they were doing, the more money they made, and that the next thing they knew, it was all about making money, and everything else just flew out the, out the door. Now, there ain't nothing wrong with making money. You know, I've shared this with you before. The best things in life, it's not things at all. And there's nothing wrong with money. The Bible says, it's the love of money That is the root of all evil. That's what's wrong, you see. Now let me tell you about your material possessions. And I know I'm repeating myself. I do that a lot by the way. But let me tell you something. It don't matter how much you got, as long as you got it, and it don't got you. You understand? As long as you possess it, and it does not possess you. And so, this is something that is a loss as far as Christ is concerned, and His glory, and His honor, and His kingdom, and His cause. And I want to tell you something right quickly. About forty over 40 years as a pastor, I have watched a lot of people get caught up in this. Really and truly get caught up in this. And they may be people who was uh, instrumental in, in the growth of the church and edifying the church and promoting the cause of Christ. And then one day, their aims and goals and ambitions were no longer that. But they were ambitions and goals in life. Oh, my friend, be careful. Because here's one of the lessons we can learn related to that. Now when we take this back up again, I'm going to share with you those things that he mentions That are his aims and goals because in the next sermon we're going to switch to pressing toward the mark. The high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And I want to encourage you to think a lot about that. Because as I shared with you a while ago, I think that is a rare thing. I really do believe that. Uh, assessing one's life am i achieving that for which i have been called and saved in life father help us we pray i pray you'd bless all of us this morning if there's commitments that need to be made for your honor and glory if you've spoken to someone's heart this morning there may be a person who has never confessed their faith in Jesus Christ and the bible very clearly teaches us that this is what it's about with uh, heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation someone maybe needs to confess you before men as the Bible says follow you in baptism and membership in the New Testament church maybe somebody has something on their heart this morning and they just really feel moved maybe somebody just needs to come and say preacher I just want you to pray with me and I'll go back to my pew or whatever father speak to our hearts Help us as we leave this place to be able to say it's been good to be in the house of the Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name and for His sake. Amen. Now would you stand with me? Brother Aaron is going to lead us in a closing number.